Hello again, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the Gridiron Graduates. Glad to have you back with us. I am your boy, Bill Rossetti, welcoming you back. And I'm going to kick it over to the Bob's Discount Furniture Studio and bring in Ian Wharton. How you doing? <laughs> I am good. I am good. Um, we're, we've almost made it. We're one day from college football. And uh, as you're listening to this, it may be tonight, Thursday night. And uh, we are eight days from recording, which again, which if you're listening to this on Thursday, we are a week away from NFL football. So uh, if I had to describe my mood, it is simply we've we've made it. And uh, that's always the best feeling. It honestly is. You know, the, the only thing that sucks about the NFL is the offseason is so long. You know, eight months. Other... I think, has it been like seven or eight months, I think? Seven months? Just yeah. about, yeah. You figure, I mean, not counting the preseason games, the last meaningful game we've watched was about seven months ago, yeah. So it's a long process to get from the Super Bowl back to starting it all over again. You know, the only other sport that bears this lengthy offseason is college basketball. So it's really nice to... Uh, to finally be back in this position and to be so close and know that we're almost there. So just have to hang in a little bit more. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout-out to our boys down at Redland Little League. Great run in the Little League World Series. I was actually in Williamsport on Saturday for the United States Championship game, and, boy, what an atmosphere that was. Wow, that's you know, awesome. It was almost like being at a major league game with – how much the crowd was behind Redland. You know, for a group of 12 and 13 year olds, we were just going nuts with the hits, especially the two home runs. It, me, me personally, like I'm high five and everybody and going crazy. And then when the kid, when Chayton hit that game winning RBI, I, I couldn't see the hit, but everyone was cheering. So I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going nuts. We're so, ha so excited that they won the U.S. title. And the nice thing, too, is that I can now say that I'm one of the 45,000-plus people that set a record for the largest crowd in Little League World Series history. So, oh, that was awesome. It, it was awesome. It, it was an amazing experience. You know, Unfortunately, they couldn't win the world title, but boy, what a game that was on Sunday. Just, I, I don't know how much, if you were able to catch it, but... Boy, when they put up 10 runs in the first, I thought this game was over, done, PA's going to win the world title. But then Japan just comes storming back, and I'm just like, oh, boy. But in any event, you know, great for them to still be crowned U.S. champions. First time in 25 years at the state of Pennsylvania. A team from the state of Pennsylvania actually won the U.S. title. So just want to give a shout-out there. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to them. Uh, so let, let's jump into it. Let's actually talk a little bit of football here. Uh, I think some of the big topics we'll discuss today are, you know, certainly we've had the cuts this week. We had the cuts to 75, and for the most part, you know, usually 95% of the players are guys we know aren't going to make the roster anyway. You know, you see these guys playing like the fourth quarter of the first preseason game. And you're like, yeah, he's not making the roster. But certainly there are some names that are well-known that were released by their teams. And some of them 
probably the most surprising, I would say, is Fred Jackson of Buffalo. Uh, Tim Jennings was also cut by uh, Chicago. And then he's certainly a well-known name, but it's also kind of not surprising. Trent Richardson cut by the Raiders. Uh, So what were your take on some of the cuts we saw this week? Um, I'll go from uh, most talented to uh, to least talented. Um, I thought Tim Jennings was kind of surprising. Uh, he's a little bit older as a cornerback. He was making quite a bit of money. Um, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but I believe it was upwards of four or five million dollars a year. And uh, uh, you know, the Bears, I thought he's still a pretty decent player. You know, I I, I think public opinion on him is is fairly low. But I think that's because of the unit as a whole hasn't been good. So the Chicago Bears defense has been pretty poor for a few years. And in turn, it's very hard for a cornerback to look good uh, when that's when that's the case. But in reality, I, I still have a pretty high opinion of him. I think he's I think he's a starter caliber player for mo- for most teams out there, um, even if it is just for one or two more years. But um, that was a little bit of a surprise for me. I felt like that's a little bit of a punt on the season. Um, whenever you cut a starting veteran like that, that's, I can't imagine that's really a good message you want to send to the locker room as far as, you know, what you're trying to accomplish for this year. So, um, that was a surprise. It's also a surprise that Fred Jackson, especially, you know, that's the third leading rusher franchise history behind Thurman Thomas and, uh, and, and OJ Simpson. So that was pretty shocking especially for a team that wants to run the ball a ton this year. Um, going to be honest, I, I don't I don't really agree with Rex on that one. Um, whether or not it was Rex that made that decision, I don't know. But um, whoever made that decision in that building, I, I had read earlier actually that the GM may have gonna, kind of gone rogue on that decision. So if that was the case, you know, shame on him. Um, I know that this game isn't really about sen- sentimentality, Um you have to be able to make those tough calls whenever you know you're faced with them, but he's still a good player. And at 34 years old, it's not like he was going to be um, a big cap issue moving forward. It's just really surprising that that move happened. And then, uh, you know, I'll I'll go with Phil Taylor as the next guy from the Cleveland Browns. That was a little surprising. So Phil Taylor's big defensive tackle, yeah. kind of been miscast in Cleveland in a three-four role. He's not a gap eater. He's, he's more of a penetrator. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of injury issues over the last couple of years, and, and I think that's really what it boiled down to. Um, but still nonetheless surprising for a team that has a lot of cap space. Um, I, I didn't really expect them to get rid of him because they didn't really need to ha- need to get rid of him. Right. Uh, but, but they do have a really deep defensive line, so I guess you're going with maybe your guys um, that are a little bit cheaper as well. Uh, and it's interesting. A couple of years ago, I was – I took part in Kian Fahey's PS, PSRWP, making sure I got the lettering right there, Pre-Snap Reads Writers Project, kind of mm-hmm. like what Matt Waldman did, where we basically started our own roster from scratch. Uh, Phil Taylor was actually one of my picks as I was building my defense. I was, you know, I'd always been a bit of a Phil Taylor fan. Yeah. So, you know, four years in after a first-round pick. And an interesting stat a couple people brought up on Twitter is that the Browns now have none of the picks that they had acquired in the Julio Jones trade. 
Mm. All the players they drafted from the picks acquired from Atlanta are now gone. So what does that tell you about the state of the Browns organization? That, That's a know, big reason, too, why I'm, I'm more best player available. I'm not a fan of these trade downs. Um, the RG3 trade, I think, was a little bit different. That was a very unique trade offer. Um, but yeah, I, t- I tell you what, like these big trade downs, when you have a chance of getting elite talent, just take the elite talent. And, and you know, yeah, you run the risk of that guy not working out. There's always that inherent risk. I mean, you mentioned Trent Richardson. He was one of those guys that, you know, everybody and their mother missed on him. And, and yeah. look, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone missed on him. Um, you know, I think at least you take the stab and you take the calculated risk because, mm-hmm. honestly, what's a third, second or third round pick worth? Chances are they're not going to be any good. And, and they're, it's valuable currency. But, um, you know, and it's crucial because if you hit on those picks, it's, it's, that defines good teams from bad teams. But, but, you know, realistically, not many of those guys hit. So I think it's important when, you, when especially the Browns, they've, they just, and it's, you know, very revisionist history, but even at the time, you know, take the guy that you know can come in, contribute, be a high level player. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason that you're making that type of trade down is if you really don't believe in any guys available. And, and quite simply, on a team like the Browns, there's no reason to think like that. And even even like a team like the Falcons, like, you know, we did see them once in the NFC Championship, but can we really say the trade worked out for them too? You know, you make a trade like that, you're thinking, okay, we're one, maybe this player away from reaching the Super Bowl or something like that. And granted, like I said, yeah, they they were pretty close, but... Were they always that close, especially at the time they made the trade? And now they're coming off back-to-back losing seasons, and certainly Julio's uh, injuries have affected that. Uh, they just gave up on a former second-round pick, Peter Kahn. So, you yeah. know, it's definitely interesting uh, with these trades. And on Trent Richardson, yeah, he, he was absolutely talented coming out of Alabama. You know, a lot of people... Even when Mark Ingram was still at Alabama, there were people that thought Richardson was better than Ingram and would be a better prospect, and rightfully so. We just never figured that he would seemingly lose interest or wouldn't have such a strong work ethic to stay in the NFL. You know, and, and it still just makes it amazing in hindsight that Cleveland was able to get a first-round pick yeah. from Indianapolis for Trent Richardson. But, hey, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. And, um, you know, we've bashed Ryan Grigson in the past, and he's deserved some of that some, some of that beating. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, other than maybe some of his picks in 2011, or 2012, I should say, he hasn't hit on much. No. And yeah, yeah, very lucky on the uh, Vontae Davis trade. Um, with Miami, mm-hmm. he got lucky with T.Y. Hilton. And then obviously Andrew Luck was an obvious decision. Yeah. Everyone in the league. You know, I mean, there was a lot of momentum toward um, Robert Griffin III at that time, but no one was actually going to take Robert Griffin over um, Andrew Luck. I mean, yeah. was it a discussion for the media? Yeah, absolutely, because it's a fun discussion to have. Um, 
but it was. Not, I don't think it was ever a realistic choice. So, I mean, yeah, I think Grigson would have been fired on the spot if they actually went with RG3 at the time. Right, right. Um, Everyone knew that that was going to yeah. happen. So, And I guess that leads us right into the RG3 discussion. I guess we got to touch on that. The fact that uh, RG3 is no longer the starter in Washington. Uh, Redskins announcing that Kirk Cousins will be the starter week one. Very surprising, but... You know, if the guy can't play to a concussion, I guess you you also don't have much of a choice, and your hand's kind of forced. Well, it's been interesting because here locally, you know, obviously I, I live in Northern Virginia now, and so all I hear about is is RG three, and and it was really interesting as they were kind of parsing through the, the the press conference, and you know, make no mistake about it, this was a move made independently of the concussion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he announced the starter as. Kirk Cousins for the 2015 season. And had it just been for the concussion, I think we would have heard a different phrase. And I think we would have heard, you That's know, point. Yeah. just for the meantime, um, anything like that. One, something like that, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, this is a permanent move. And honestly, I think it's going to, we may see the end of this, uh, this relationship very soon. Um, you know, because ultimately, I don't know how you can keep Robert Griffin mm-hmm. in DC and expect that to be a healthy relationship between them two. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that Robert is, you know, personality-wise, he's deflected a lot of blame onto teammates, and he's, you know, he's he's got an ego. And look, yeah. he's a he's a superstar, superstar, and he has been since college. So I'm not saying that he's in the wrong for that. I'm not saying that you know. He's a bad guy. I'm certainly not saying that. But what I am saying is he's got, you know, he's going to be difficult to keep in the locker room if he's not playing. Um, I think he's proven as much so far, and there's nothing to suggest that that's going to change. Um, and maybe that's not fair to expect him to change. That's just how things are. So, um, you know, if you're the Redskins, let me ask you this. Because if you keep him on the roster, what what's going to happen is um, obviously you'll release him at the end of the year. But if you if you keep him on the roster, you're going to keep paying him. And if he gets hurt for a significant injury, that sixteen million dollar option, that option kicks you, in. Right now, it's only injury guaranteed. So if an injury happens in practice, if, even if he doesn't play in a game, it could be guaranteed. Or do you cut him because you're going to pay him anyway not to play? If if you keep him and just deactivate him every single week, which I think is a realistic option. Cause again, the goal is to not pay him on that giant, um, that giant uh, big option. Yeah. Option. Yeah. So, or do you cut him, take the cap hit, which again, isn't a huge deal because he'd be earning that money anyways. Um, and just to get him off the team, you know, which one do you kind of go with? Because it's, I think it's a difficult choice to make because you're, you're cutting a big talent. Like as far as a guy that could have an impact on your team, or is it just not worth the potential headache? Yeah, it's almost saying, like, 2012 was a huge... I, I mean, benching him now is pretty much saying 2012 was a huge mistake. Cutting him is the icing on the cake. But that, that that's a tough decision for sure. But I, I think they would maybe lean towards just keeping him and maybe keeping him on the bench so that they avoid the chance of him getting hurt. And then by the end of the season just cutting him loose so they can get rid of that $16 million. Because as you said, if he plays 
and say he suffers another injury like he did last season with the ankle or you know whatever the case may be, then just like that, that's sixteen million right there. Right. And now they're and now they're in trouble. You know, they're essentially stuck with a guy that, let's face it, everybody except you know God himself there in Washington doesn't want. Yeah. So. I, I, I guess in that sense, you just you just keep him on the bench and just pray that Kirk Cousins stays out. I, I guess even if Kirk Cousins were to go down, they'll probably just go to Colt McCoy yeah. just to kind of save themselves too. You know, they don't necessarily have to rush Griffin right back in there. Um, and yeah, I mean, they've had problems, you know, in different places in the offense as well. Like certainly. The game where he got concussed, the offensive line wasn't the greatest. But when you look back at it, uh, you still have some young guys there that are trying to gel together. Guys like Brandon Sheriff, guys like Morgan Moses. Your starting left tackle isn't even in the lineup in that game. So there's issues there. But eventually we have to get to the point where Griffin has to be held accountable. You know, it's been four years now. I understand he's had these injuries and... You know, it, it's kind of sapped his athleticism, and he's not able to scramble as much as he has. But he, the, the fact is, he he's not able to make the kind of throws that make um, elite NFL quarterback. So it, it's an unfortunate situation for Washington to be in. You know, you, you hate to see a team take a big gamble like that in the draft and have it blow up in their face, but. You know, a lot of people are certainly going to look back at it and say, you know, maybe along the lines of we told you so, or, you know, you know, they could have told you back then that making this move was a bad move. So, I, I don't know. It's it's just Washington being Washington, I guess. Yeah, it's unfortunate, too. I mean, I really do feel for fan bases like Washington, Cleveland, um, Oakland, you know, those teams – they really don't deserve that. The fans don't, and it's unfortunate. Oh, but. yeah, because their fan bases are extremely passionate. Right, sure. right. So, I mean, eventually it makes its way around, and success will come. But yeah. uh, it's, it's been a been a tough road for them so I, far. I think, unfortunately for Washington, that success may not fully get there until Dan Snyder's out the door. Yeah, yeah. You always look back to what's constant, and it usually starts at the top. Yep, but... Obviously, the man at the top doesn't see that way. He still wants... And I thought, because when we... When the reports came out that there was this bit of rift between, you know, the football minds and Dan Snyder about Robert Griffin, I'm thinking to myself, I thought Snyder was going to back out of football decisions now. I thought when McLuhan came in, Snyder was going to kind of back away. Now, all of a sudden, he's back in the picture, and I'm it's like, isn't this where this problem started? But I guess when you're the owner, you just... It's hard to step away like that after you've been involved so much. Involved badly, but involved. So, but again, that's why they're the Washington Redskins right now. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a rough season. I mean, that may be a team that... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long one, for sure. Yeah, that may be a team that, that honestly, 
wins maybe just three or four games and you may be looking at a top five pick again and and you know hopefully one of these quarterbacks emerges for them to pick from yeah like like we were talking about a couple weeks ago how deep the quarterback pull is you know if they have a high enough pick it's a chance to maybe turn it around and certain you know we certainly can't over can't um overlook the chance of there being a new head coach in Washington as well in 2016. You know, I wouldn't say Jay Gruden's seat is uh is cold. I, it may not be burning hot right now, but it's warming up a little bit. You know, I understand he has the fully guaranteed contract, but at, le- at least head coaches' uh, salaries don't count towards the cap, so it's not like they would fire him and his remaining salary is knocked from their salary cap. So it should be interesting. Uh, and I guess we'll mention quick the unfortunate story that just happened with the Redskins involving the wife of Scott McClugan. Uh, what a mess this story is, if, if you guys didn't hear it. Uh, Jessica McClugan, wife of Scott McClugan, was found to have tweeted an inappropriate remark to former NBC Washington reporter and now ESPN reporter Diana Marie Rossini, I guess involving a story uh, regarding the switch at quarterback. And I guess there was talk that maybe the account was fake and this, that, whatever, but it just comes out recently, you know, actually at the time of recording this, maybe about an hour before we're talking right now that the account was not fake Mm. and the Redskins have actually uh, I think the Redskins and Jessica have both made uh, statements you know apologizing for the tweet so like we said Washington gonna Washington (laughs) yeah it's never never ending never ending uh, who knows if it's true but uh, you know send in those jokes well, it sounds like it's I like true. Reading like, those jokes. like I said, you know, it, it sounds it's, like they've actually had Jessica come out and make a comp, make a statement. Oh, okay. Saying that the tweet, I, th- I think it was Scott actually that confirmed the tweet and the account was real, and they've come out and apologized. Uh, and this is a family-friendly show, so we won't exactly get into the details of the tweet. You can look yeah. it up for yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly nice, but we'll leave it at that. In any event, I think that kind of covers what we want to talk about a little bit for the NFL this week. Because certainly um, the upcoming week in the preseason is more or less to find the bottom players of your roster. Because we're into the fourth preseason game. Thank God it's almost over. (laughs) Uh, The week where starters maybe play one series, if that... Yeah. And they're out of there, and it's all about the backups and, you know, players like 40 through 75 yeah. uh, competing for spots 40 through 53. Or up to 63 if those players are able to go on the practice squad, whichever way you want to look at it. So, you know, not exactly going to get into too much detail on that. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm probably not even going to rewatch, you know, most of these games, so... You yeah, know, an unusual week. I'll watch every game. I'll just go back and and some of them more in depth than others. Some of them I'll just kind of 
if you go through NFL Game Pass, for those that don't know, you can watch like a condensed version of the game. Basically, it just takes off, takes out everything like but the plays, and it's a really nice way to quickly get through a game in like 20, 30 minutes. Um, depending on you know what all you're actually watching, obviously it's you know 15 minute quarters, so you know, it should take you about an hour, but you can get through stuff uh, pretty quick. Cause it'll it'll chop some of that up as well. So, but I tell you what, I mean next week, or I should say this week, week four. Um, there's not much you can get from it. It's more just for coaching staffs. Um, you know, if you really want to see those young guys, this is a good place to see them, but the competition is very low. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're thirsting for football, I think college football, is really the way to go this yeah. weekend. I mean, just as an example, uh, Matt Barkley is going to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles tomorrow against the Jets. Yeah. He probably won't even make the roster. So. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting decision for sure. But yeah, you have the preseason games tomorrow. Friday is the final cut down to 53, and then Saturday is when teams can start building their practice squad. And here's your reminder to those listening. The 53 players that make up the roster on Friday will not, I repeat, will not be the 53 on the roster come week one. There will be changes, I promise you. Oh, yeah. Players being signed to practice squads, teams plucking players from other practice squads onto their active roster. So just because you're following a player and you see that he's made the 53 on Friday, you still got to get to Saturday and even Sunday, Monday, you know, to really get the finalized roster. I, I think to be really safe in the roster you're looking at, you probably have to wait until maybe Monday at the earliest when teams will actually start game planning for week one. So, with that happy thought in mind, you mentioned college is a good action to, is a good way to watch football tomorrow. Yes, the football bowl subdivision actually starts tomorrow. Thank God again. <laughs> we have live college football, actual live games. Uh, and actually, as we mentioned last week, the first game was actually Saturday in the football championship series. And wouldn't you know it, the first game, and we already have an upset. Four-time FCS champion North Dakota State goes down against Montana. But Ian, I know you were watching the game really for one big reason, yep. and that was to watch your boy Carson win. So talk to us a little bit about what you saw out of Carson and, you know, if you have any general takes from the game, but, you know, whatever you want to talk about from there. Yeah, so uh, so it was a rough game for, for Carson Wentz. Um, so for people that aren't aren't too familiar, 6'5", 6'6", quarterback, um, got, the, got the elite size, got a great arm. He really is a fantastic arm. Um, reminiscent of Joe Flacco when you watch him. So he struggles deep, greatly with the deep ball, but even though he has this big arm, um, he just struggles with the accuracy. His, his footwork is a major problem. It's not very consistent. He'll shuffle his feet and then his feet are either. He has too wide of a base, um, with his legs. They'll just be too far, too far apart. Whereas they should normally be around shoulder length apart. Um, he is prone to just being a little too, too wide and that'll cause a lot of accuracy issues. Um, I would also say that he did suffer an injury around halftime and 
that I think had a clear impact on uh, on his performance, but it wasn't really an excuse. It wasn't it wasn't a significant injury; it was a lower body injury. Um, so he's a terrific runner, and he wasn't really able to run in that second half. And, and again, that I don't think it was really a huge hindrance on his play, um, but it is worth mentioning. So. Um, you know, it was a decent performance from him, but overall he has accuracy issues. I charted his court, his, uh, performance and, you know, he was around 50% on accuracy of his throws as far as catchable balls. And, and really that's not acceptable as far as, uh, an NFL prospect goes. So, you know, I think he's a guy, he was a hot name over the summer by some people. Uh, but realistically, I, I do think he's a, he's a legitimate prospect. I think you're looking at a mid-round prospect, um, and I'm not just judging that from that one game. Um, I've seen seen a good amount of him, so I, I mean I don't really need to um, see too much more of him this year. I'll probably watch him two more games this year, and I'll feel pretty comfortable of his eval. But I think he's more of a developmental quarterback at this stage in the game. All right, good stuff, uh, and certainly, hopefully, down the line we'll all get a chance to see more of Carson, but. You know, like like you said, big name, and I'm sure a lot of people were looking forward to him. And certainly not the best way to start, you know. I mean, granted, I didn't exactly follow Montana, so I don't know how good their team was supposed to be this year. Certainly it goes down as an upset when I, I think they were unranked going against the number one team, a team that's won championship four years in a row, and you go and beat yeah. them. So. Yeah, they were they were ranked uh, number twelve. Oh, uh, so they're a decent. Oh, okay, so there you go. So not they were too bad. they were, and I tell you what though, uh, I was really impressed with their play style. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, just very fast paced, and uh, their quarterback was actually more impressive than Wentz half the time. So oh, there you go. It was, it was a fun game to watch. So if you ever see the replay on, and if you get bored, it was well worth it. Came down to the last possession. I was sitting there because I ended up watching it later. I went to a concert and uh, came back and watched the end of it. And I tell you what, I was—I rarely get too excited about football games anymore. As far as like the action, like I, I stay pretty pretty level. Um, I was on the edge of my seat at the end of that game. So if you haven't watched it yet, or if you don't know the 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 ending of it, I do suggest checking that out. It's 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 a great game. All right, let's talk about this week now. Is like I said, the FBS schedule begins this week. Uh, I think one of the big games, and I, I guess we'll start with Thursday's games. And like Ian said, you know, you could be listening to us on Thursday. So if you are, then th- this game's tonight. And that would be none other than Jim Harbaugh making his debut as head coach of Michigan. They are at Utah Thursday night, 8.30 on Fox Sports 1. What can we expect out of Harbaugh and the Wolverines this year? I mean, that's a great question. Um, You know, it's not an overly talented team. They've got some leftover five-star recruits, four-star recruits that are in line to play quite a bit. Um, But I think the... The thing is, is that, you know, these are guys that haven't produced in the last couple of years. Um, Derek Green, their running back, is supposedly 
one of those former Uber recruits, and he was injured last year, so I'm interested in watching him play. But, um, you know, Harbaugh's really working with a limited deck here, and I think it's uh, it's going to show. I, I honestly expect Utah to win. Utah is a, is a very good team at home, and early season, they give teams a lot of issues. For some reason, they break down usually a little bit more towards the end of the season if and when they struggle. So I think early season, that's a team that's a little bit more veteran than than Michigan as far as with their coaching staff, and they've got a senior quarterback, and I think that pays off big time. And, and usually when the teams are close, I go with the quarterback. So I don't think Michigan's going to be bad this year, but I don't think they get off on a right foot, and I think that's probably an eight-win team this year. Um despite the massive upgrade in coaching, it just takes a couple of years sometimes to get that impact talent in there. And he didn't, I'm not sure if, I don't think he had a terrific recruiting class anyway this year, as soon as he got in, because he got in kind of late too. So it's, it can be difficult to sway prospects at that point in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking over at some of the other games for Thursday, the game that will kick the whole shebang off on ESPN. Oh, there's two games that kick off at 6 o'clock. Certainly the more notable one is on ESPN as North Carolina takes on South Carolina at the home of the Panthers, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. So that'll be, that'll certainly be an interesting game to watch. North Carolina by, by some accounts, you know, you see some of these talking heads and whatnot. They seem to be a sleeper in the ACC, so they'll be interesting to watch. Uh, and then, obviously, South Carolina, always a respectable program anymore under Steve Spurrier. The other game at 6 o'clock, by the way, is Florida International taking on Central Florida. Uh, not exactly the uh, headline-grabbing game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, too worried about that one. <laughs> uh, uh, just scrolling through, we actually have a couple ranked teams in action Thursday, 16th ranked Georgia Tech, and I'm using, well, I'm looking on ESPN, and I believe they use the AP poll, uh, obviously, before we get to the playoff rankings. Uh, 16th ranked Georgia Tech takes on Alcorn State. Number two TCU is at Minnesota, 9 o'clock ESPN. That's yep. certainly that's the game. Be, that's probably the big game tomorrow. Yep. That's the game to watch. Uh, Trayvon Boykin and a, what looks to be a loaded TCU offense and looks to be a pretty good defense coming back as well. I think they have quite a good bit of starters coming back. So, um, and, you know, being given number two preseason rank, obviously a lot of expectations uh, down at TCU after just missing the playoffs this year. This certainly could could be the year that TCU cracks the top four and gets to play for a championship. They're definitely a talented team. And, uh, but I tell you what, I think they win that game, but don't be surprised if Minnesota gives them a fight. Minnesota doesn't really have the offense to really keep up with TCU, but their defense is pretty talented and they've, they've done a good job of adding NFL caliber talent and developing it the last few years. They've got a really talented secondary. Um, it's going to be a fun matchup to watch those cornerbacks face Josh Doxson who's a, who, an electric receiver, and then listen be the other receiver for TCU is one of the fastest players in the country. So, um, you know, I think I don't think it's going to be a really close game. If you really want to watch a close game, I think Utah and Michigan may be a better bet. Um, but I think as far as entertainment, I think it will be an entertaining game. 
because TCU can really do some special things, and Minnesota does have enough talent um, to maybe surprise people, and maybe they do pull off a at least a very close game. Yeah, and certainly Minnesota has built themselves back up to being a respectable program coming off the bowl win last season over Missouri, so certainly this will be an interesting game to watch. And then you've got Arizona, ranked 22nd. They take on Texas San Antonio. And if you recall last year, Texas San Antonio nearly pulled off the upset of Arizona. Um, Though I remember last year, I think a lot of people were high on the Roadrunners, and they just flat-out disappointed. I think a lot of people thought they were really going to have a strong season. I think they only won like three games, so... And that was when they had Arizona at home. Now they got to go to Tucson. So could be an easy one for Arizona, but we'll see. Uh, looking at Friday, Baylor and Michigan State and Boise State are all in action Friday night. Michigan State, Baylor actually both on the road. You know, it, it's, int- it's always interesting to see some of these top-ranked teams open the season on the road. I guess when you have these home-and-homes, or at least in the case of Baylor-SMU, you know, that's when you'll see these big names on the road. So, again, Baylor at SMU, Michigan State at Western Michigan, and then Boise State taking on Washington. Those are at least the ranked teams in action. Uh, Baylor is certainly going to be an interesting team to watch because, obviously, their high ranking is putting them in early position for a playoff. But once again... That non-conference schedule is atrocious, and if they slip up during conference play, that could be, just like last season, what what ultimately keeps Baylor out of the playoff. Yeah, definitely, and it's they've been very difficult to match up for TCU, and TCU's been uh, dominant the last few years, but and Baylor's offense is just it's so much to handle. And it's a really fun team to watch. Um, as far as like prospects, you know, they're a tough team to, to evaluate because they don't they run such a simplified system that, you know, you basically have to relearn a lot of nuances in the NFL. So because you're not learning them in college, mm-hmm. um, but it's a fun team to watch, and they're kind of like TCU in that it's just easy to appreciate them as far as like an entertainment value, and um, it's hard for me to buy into teams without a great defense. So, you know, I don't really buy Baylor as a legitimate championship threat. Um, but you never know. College football is wide open this year. You basically have Ohio State, and then you've got the field. And, Pretty much, yeah. You know, I am I hope Ohio State doesn't lose, obviously, as a as an Ohio State, you know, mega fan. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, that, if they were to go down and not reach the playoff, it's wide open. Absolutely. Uh, Michigan State certainly an intriguing team to watch this year. Connor Cook is obviously going to have a lot of spotlight on him as argu- arguably the best quarterback, if well, definitely one of the best quarterbacks uh, draft eligible for 2016. And you know you can never count out Michigan State as a team. Uh, I was almost ready to say never count out a Tom Izzo coach team, but that's the wrong <laughs> sport. Uh, Hey, it paid off in basketball. <laughs> That's the, right. Picked them to go to the Final Four as a seven seed, and it paid off. Uh, but no, Mark D'Antoni, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. what Another thought. great yeah. coach. Yep. Yeah, can't count out uh, Mark D'Antoni coached Spartan team. 
Uh, they should have an easy time against Western Michigan. Yeah. And Boise State always there to uh, crash the party, as it be. In this case, the New Year's Six, they did it last year. And given their ranking now, certainly in a position to uh, to do so again. you have any thoughts on the Broncos? Uh, not many. You know, they've got two guys that uh, are NFL prospects that I know of. Uh, defensive end slash edge rusher. Uh, seems like Kamale Correa. I'm not sure if I said that right. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. A name, a draft prospects are going to have to study pronunciation. We always love doing yeah, that, don't we? Yeah, it's that time of year. So, um, Boise State can never give us names like Jay Smith as a prospect. Right, Last right. year we had to figure out how to pronounce Ajayi, <laughs> and now we have this. Well, thankfully uh, they do have uh, Darian Thompson okay, at well, safety, not <laughs> so that's not, that's not bad at all. So uh, that's, that's definitely handle. <laughs> That can be handled. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, I don't see, I don't really see too many interesting games. I'm not even sure if I'm going to watch the Boise State game in Washington. It's just not really, not really sure if that's really the exposure I want to get to them. It's it's tough with early season because you kind of just want to get a baseline for some of these players. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Saturday's the real big game where, where there's the, a lot of big games. And that's the tough thing. Uh, there's two things I was going to bring up. Like, well, I was going to mention about Boise State. That game is so late too. You know, 10:15 kickoff. That's right. why it's tough, like for us East Coasters, to get live shots of the West Coast. Because I mean, they're on so late. <laughs> we have to stay up till one o'clock to watch the end of these games. But yeah, even when you're watching like these top teams, it's hard to get a full gauge on these teams yet because obviously they're playing scrub competition. The scrub teams are fine with it. They get, they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to visit these teams and get their butts kicked. Uh, but, yeah, you're definitely right. Saturday is certainly the day to watch a lot of these teams. You know, Just going to sc- scroll through again using the a- AP poll. Uh, Ninth-ranked Georgia against Louisiana Monroe. Ole Miss is in action against Tennessee Martin. Stanford's on the road against Northwestern. That's an interesting uh, matchup. We've got to look at Kevin Hogan there. Uh, kind of scrolling through. Clemson takes on Wofford. Arkansas against UTEP. Auburn and Louisville. Yep, that's one of the first big, uh... That's that's one of the big ones Saturday. Yep, Louisville against Auburn at the Georgia Dome. 3.30 on CBS. Auburn actually feels pretty underranked in the AP poll. I, I think in the coaches poll they're like number three. But with that, they they feel like they're the favorites. It, it feels like they're the favorites in the SEC over Alabama, and for good reason. Auburn looks like they have a very talented team coming in, very good quarterback. I mentioned one of their receivers when we were talking the Senior Bowl watch list. So Auburn looks like they're going to be a fun team, and you know, without a doubt will be in contention for the playoffs. Would not be surprising if they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm totally with you. And the one thing that I would start with is their quarterback, Jeremy Johnson. Yeah. And he's electric. And we've only seen a few minutes of him play. Obviously, Nick Marshall last year, he was suspended at the start of the year. And so Jeremy Johnson, a, a junior at the time, came in and played. Well, he's a senior now. And I tell you what, in those few minutes of tape that he has, 
it's hard not to feel like this is a potential superstar. And I say that with the caveat of that's with like four or five minutes of a cut up. So although I saw all of his plays against Arkansas last year, who knows, you know, who knows if he can do that, excuse me, over an entire season or even do it, you know, consistently enough to force his way into uh, the top quarterback discussion, but he's got the skill set. He's got, he's got the ability to make you say, wow, when he throws the ball, you know, when the ball comes out of his hands, it makes you definitely take notice. So uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that game for him at a later time, but I'll actually be recording that and I will be live charting Christian Hackenberg's performance against Temple. And without a doubt, that's the game that I'm going to be watching a little bit live as well, because obviously I'm a Penn State fan, Penn State alum, so yeah, 3.30 ESPN, the Nittany Lions are down at the link to take on Temple, and yeah, obviously Christian Hackenberg is going to be the name to watch, uh, Jordan Lucas, another name to watch, Anthony Zettel, two guys we discussed again when we talked Senior Bowl, so um this is de- it's definitely an experienced team for sure now, because uh, they were. I guess that's what happens when you have a very young roster in the first year of a head coach. So, at, at least there's a lot of players here that have, you know, that have familiarity with James Franklin. So, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how they perform this season. They definitely feel good. Obviously, I'd love to see them do great. <laughs> Realistically, I think they're maybe third at best in the Big Ten, obviously. You know, because I don't see how this team matches up with Ohio State or Michigan State. If for that, it, it may be close with Wisconsin. Um, we talk, We just mentioned briefly Minnesota. They They could be up there a little bit. Iowa's always a bit of a sneaky team. So it, it's certainly top-heavy in the Big Ten between right. the Buckeyes and the Spartans, and then it's just kind of a pick-your-poison in that middle section there. But certainly Penn State has a chance to go to a good bowl. You know, maybe a bowl like the Gator Bowl or Outback, whatever. So should be interesting. Uh Let's see, then we got UCLA taking on Virginia, BYU at Nebraska. Real quick on that Virginia-UCLA game. Um, that I'm going to be watching that one for sure at a later time because super phenom freshman Josh Rosen will be starting uh, for UCLA at quarterback. And he, I've heard from multiple people that I really trust in high school recruiting that he could be like the next Peyton Manning type player. Um, and they were very reluctant to use that comparison. They were like, you know, this isn't something we use lightly. And, and honestly, the one guy was like, I honestly hate to say this, but, um, you know, Peyton Manning would be my comp. So I'm definitely gonna be checking that game out. Wow. He is extremely hyped, not only just from people I know, but from also from recruiting services. So, yeah. so that, yeah, that's definitely a game, an intriguing game to watch. Maybe he turns out and I mean, I, you know, his his uh his story will not be written this Saturday, um, but it's the start of a story. It's the start, so. yeah. Uh, three thirty Fox Saturday for those 
listening and wanting to check that out. Uh, Tennessee, a lot of talk about their quarterback and a bit of a sleeper team in the SEC. They got Bowling Green this week. Missouri against Southeast Missouri State. Our boy Jacoby Brissett and NC State. They host Troy. Oklahoma against Akron. Arizona State, Texas A&M. The Aggies are always an interesting team anymore. Texas visiting Notre Dame. That should be fun. Yep. Wisconsin, Alabama, and Arlington. Uh, and I believe that is where College Game Day is going to be this week. Yeah, I believe you're right. Uh, certainly that's, that's going to be a fun game. Florida State against Texas State, USC against Arkansas State. And then there's a – this is an interesting game. There's a lot of talk about Vernon Adams. I think that's his name, right? Vernon Adams. Yeah, yep. The new starting quarterback at Oregon. And ironically, his first game as an Oregon Duck is against his old school, Eastern Washington. Uh, but from what I'm you know, reading and hearing, there is a lot of hype on this Adams kid. He's a he's a fun guy to watch. So I, I ended up seeing him last year. Uh, I was charting Marcus Peters for Washington, the cornerback, and they played Eastern Washington. And I'm just a freak, and I watched every single snap of Peters um, to get a good feel for him. And uh, so I saw Vernon Adams play last year, and he's he's tiny. He's like five nine, 180 pounds, soaking wet. Oof. Um, wow. But, he, but he's a <laughs> but he's like a really fun college player to watch. Yeah. And so, especially in that system, it may take some time for him to really get settled in, but he's gonna he's a lot of fun to watch. He's definitely worth it um, if you're just watching for like a half, because I'm I'm guessing that's probably all he's gonna play. I mean, I still expect Oregon to blow people out. Uh, unfortunately, I do not get the Pac-12 network, so I probably won't be able to watch that game live, but we'll certainly see highlights. Uh, and then well, one game Saturday, but that's you know, not worth, you know, Purdue at Marshall if you're interested. Yeah. And then Monday night. It's the big one. Is the big one. It is the reigning, defending, national champion, the Ohio State University, looking to avenge their one and only loss of 2014 as they take on Virginia Tech. You're the Buckeye fan. You're the guru. Break it down for us, buddy. <laughs> well, less changed in a year. I'll tell you that. Um, last time they played, um, Ohio State had brand new offensive line, brand new quarterback, had just lost their rock, and they're basically their soul of the team, Brandon Braxton Miller. Um, and uh, I tell you what, obviously the tables have turned, and I think we're going to see – Probably a game that's it's going to be very physical. Um, Ohio State's probably going to start JT Barrett. That's my guess. And JT Barrett, again, was the one that lost last year. But it was also kind of a point where, after halftime, he started to really show some growth. And now he's a completely different player. He's extremely efficient. He's a very, very precise passer. Um, he's re- reminiscent of me for Alex Smith in the NFL which is a compliment. Um, you know, Alex Smith gets a bad rap in the NFL at times, and rightfully so, 
But whenever you're comparing a college player to him, I think that's a major, major positive. Um, Ohio State's just, they're just loaded. I mean, it's its hard to see that team losing, and they're going to be very motivated that night. Virginia Tech, I don't see how Virginia Tech scores, and that's not and that's not saying because of Ohio State. That's just because of their own limitations as a roster. Um, they don't really have a good offense in general. They've got a really good tight end in Bucky Hodges. Bucky Hodges. Um, he's my number one tight end entering the season that's draft eligible, um, but they don't have anyone to get him the ball. So Ohio State obviously is going to score, um, whether through passing or running with Ezekiel Elliott. So I just don't see how Virginia Tech's going to keep up with them. It's probably going to be a fairly close game because it's on the road. It's the start of the season. Um, it's very difficult for teams to be sharp that early. Um, but I, I think this is going to be kind of like Alabama-Wisconsin. I don't think Alabama-Wisconsin is going to be an overly close game. I think you're maybe looking at a couple touchdowns difference. Not quite a blowout, but it won't be overly close. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's some talk that Wisconsin's actually a little bit overrated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Especially, you know, there, there's people that don't agree with them being ranked. Um but yeah, de- definitely there has to be that motivation factor for Ohio State, even with being the defending champs. When it when it comes to college, you always want to get after the team that beat you the previous year. You know, I, I was even like that when you know playing high school. You, you just because lot, especially in football, losses eat at you. They they really do because you it's only one game, and chances are you won't see that team at least till the next year. So Ohio State will certainly be hungry now. Granted, Joey Bosa is suspended, but they are certainly talented enough outside of Bosa that I think right. they should be able to overcome his loss, especially in a game like this. And, you know, not having done a ton of research, just going a little bit on gut instinct here, but I have to feel like... Ohio State is going to repeat as national champions this year. I sure hope so, because this year was always supposed to be, um, this was supposed to be the year. Um, you know, night last year was pretty crazy because even when Braxton was healthy, everyone thought 2015 is our year because everyone's going to be a year older more experienced, that's when everybody will flourish. So we'll see. I mean, like you said, losing Bosa hurts, but I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Um, in the in the grand scheme of things, I just don't think they're going to need him against Virginia Tech, but uh, we'll see. It'd be a pretty, pretty shocking loss, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's our college football preview spectacular, I guess. A look at week one. Uh and certainly we'll talk more college in in the coming weeks, especially next week because we've got Michigan State, Oregon. You know, just like last season, could very well be a determining factor for the college football playoff. So a lot of fun early games to look forward to. So it's pretty much here. You know, so enjoy the ride. You know, if you're if you're a college fan. Buckle in because it starts tomorrow, and then by the time we join you next week, we'll be talking NFL regular season week one.
Absolutely. Absolutely. It is going to be fun. So, uh, anything else you'd like to add for tonight? Um, I don't think so. I, I, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Um, make sure you follow each of us to, uh, to get takes and get, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be doing breakdowns for sure. I already did, uh, are my all my articles for the week ahead of time a couple days ahead of time just so i could uh focus on the games this weekend so sit back and enjoy yep yep absolutely yeah i'm sure i'll have a few takes on penn state as well so uh it should be a, should be fun it's, it's always fun seeing that first full saturday yeah of the and I'll be, college season and i'll be charting some of these cornerbacks too so on my new site um just watch for Twitter, and I'll I'll tweet out the links to to uh, quarterback charts. So Christian, like I said, Christian Hackenberg will be done um, as soon as that game's done, and then guys like Jeremy Johnson, I'll probably do like either that night or that next day um, as I as I catch back up. Yeah, and I actually caught wind a little bit of your new site, Draft Centric. Um, Definitely looks nice, I, I gotta say. So, uh, you know, it looks like you're doing a lot with it, and it should be a fun project for you. So, I, I wish you the best of luck with that. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm really excited. So, if people want to check it out, it's draftcentric.weebly.com. Um, I also launched a Twitter account for it. Um, it's just at draftcentric. And uh, so, yeah, definitely check it out. It's um, It'll be fun. Absolutely. So I think that'll wrap it up for this week. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening as always. Like Ian said, you can catch us on Twitter. And enjoy all the great football action next week. And we'll hit you up next week when we'll finally start talking regular season football. So for Ian Wharton, I am Bill Rossetti. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Graduates. And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.